Part two, chapter seven of the Manxman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tony Ashworth. The Manxman by Sir Hall Kane. Part two, chapter seven. Later that day, Caesar came in from the mill with the startling intelligence that Philip was riding up on the high road. "'Goodness mercy!' cried Nancy, and she fled away to wash her face. Granny, with a turn of the hand, settled her cap and smoothed her grey hair under it. Kate herself had disappeared like a flash of light. But as Philip dismounted at the gate, looking taller and older and paler and more serious, but raising his cap from his fair head and smiling a smile like sunshine, she was coming leisurely out of the porch with a bewitching hat over her wavy black hair and a handbasket over her arm. Then there was a little start of surprise and recognition, a short catch of quick breath and nervous salutations. I'm going round to the nest, she said. I suppose you'll step in to see mother. Time enough for that, said Philip. May I help you with the eggs first? Besides, I've something to tell you. Is it that you admitted, said Kate? "'That's nothing,' said Philip. "'Only the ABC, you know. "'Getting ready to begin, so to speak.' "'They walked round to the stackyard, "'and he tied up his horse and gave it hay. "'Then while they poked about for eggs "'on hands and knees among the straw, "'under the stacks and between the bushes, "'she said she hoped he would have success, "'and he answered that success was more than a hope to him now. "'It was a sort of superstition.' She did not understand this, but looked up at him from all fours with brightening eyes and said, What a glorious thing it is to be a man. Is it? said Philip. And yet I remember somebody who said she wasn't sorry to be a girl. Did I? said Kate. But that was long ago, and I remember somebody else who pretended he was glad I was. That was long ago too, said Philip, and both laughed nervously. What strange things girls are, and boys, said Kate, with a matronly sigh burying her face in a nest where a hen was clucking and two downy chicks were peeping from her wing. They went through to the orchard, where the trees were breaking into eager blossoms. "'I've another letter for you from Pete,' said Philip. "'So?' said Kate. "'Here it is,' said Philip. "'Won't you read it?' said Kate. "'But it's yours. Surely a girl doesn't want anybody else.' "'Ah, but you're different, though. You know everything. And besides, read it aloud, Philip.' With a basket of eggs on one arm, and the other hand on the outstretched arm of an apple tree, she waited while he read. "'Dearest Kitty, how's yourself, darling, and how's Philip, and how's Granny? I'm getting on tremendous. They're calling me Captain now, Captain Pete, sort of overseer of the diamond mines outside Kimberley. Regular gentleman's life, and no mistake. Nothing to do but sit under a monstrous big umbrella, with a paper in your fist like a chairman, while twenty kaffirs do the work. Just a bit of a tussle now and then to keep you from dropping off. When a kaffir turns up a diamond, you grab it, and mark it on the time-sheet against his name. They've got their own outlandish ones, but we always christen them ourselves. Sixpence, seven waistcoats, shoulder of mutton, tuppenny trotter, anything you like. When a kaffir strikes a diamond, he gets a commission, and so does his overseer. I'm afraid I'm going to be getting terrible rich soon. Tell the old man I'll be buying that harmonia yet. They are a knowing lot, though, 
and if they can get up a dust to smuggle a stone when you're not looking, they will. Then they sell it to the black-legged boars, and you've got to raise your voice like an advocate to get it back somehow. But the boars can't do no harm to you with their fists at all. It's playing. They're a dirty lot, wonderful straight like some of the lazy Manx ones, especially Black Tom. When they see us down at the river washing, they say, What dirty people the English must be if they have to wash themselves three times a day. We only do it once a week. When a Kaffir steals a stone, we usually court-martial him, but I don't hold with it, as the floggers on the compound can't be trusted. So I always lick my own niggers, being more kinder, and if anybody does anything against me, they lynch him. Kate made a little patient sigh and turned away her head, while Philip, in a halting voice, went on, Darling Kitty, I am longing mortal for a sight of your sweet face. When the night comes and I'll be lying in the huts, boards on the ground, and good canvas, and everything comfortable, says I to the boys, Shut your faces, men, and let a poor chap sleep. But they never twig the darkness of my meaning. I'll only be wanting a bit of quiet for thinking of, with the stars a-twinkling down, she's looking at that one, shine on my angel. Really, Kate, faltered Philip, I can't. Give it to me, then, said Kate. She was tugging with her trembling hand at the arm of the apple tree, and the white blossom was raining over her from the rowels of the thin boughs overhead, like silver fish falling from the herring net. Taking the letter, she glanced over the clothes. Darlin' Currie, how is the mackerel this season, and is the millin doing middling, and I wonder is the hens all layin', and is the grace gone out of the mare's leg yet, and how is the owl man, and is he still playin' hang with the texes? There is a big chap here that is straight like him. He hath swallowed the old book, and can't help bring it up again, but dear Currie, no more at present. I expect to be home soon, Bach to see you all, though I don't know exactly, with love your loving sweetheart, Pate. When she had finished the letter, she turned it over in her fingers, and gave another patient little sigh. You didn't read it as it was spelled, Philip, she said. What odds if the spelling is uncertain when the love is as sure as that, said Philip. Did he write it himself, think you, said Kate? He signed it anyway, and no doubt indicted it, too but perhaps one of the gills boys held the pen. She coloured a little, slipped the letter down her dress into her pocket, and looked ashamed. End of Part 2, Chapter 7 Recording by Tony Ashworth